What's up, guys, and welcome back to the That So Dev podcast. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I have guests today. Introduce yourselves. What's up, guys? It's Mariah. Glad to be back. But we have an additional guest. Ooh. What's up, guys? It's Madison. Good to be back. Hey. I love when we're together. It doesn't matter what we do. <laughs> we're iconic. Uh, I know. <laughs> love that. But okay so guys before we get into this tea today because we always have tea if you don't know by now get with the program anyway make sure you go ahead and follow not madison on social media follow mariah (laughs) at mainly mariah underscore on twitter and instagram yep finally instagram Mm -hmm. i will approve you well maybe she doesn't know yet she'll know you like that (laughs) Period. Do not follow Madison. That's just not happening. Um, make sure you go ahead and follow me at That's So Dev on Twitter and Instagram. Love that. All right, y'all. So today we're going to dedicate this podcast to the girl that never leaves our side, Miss Anxiety. Right, Mariah? Yes. So today we're going to be diving into um, some when it comes to some stigmas behind anxiety um a couple of anxiety disorders that you know some of us are familiar with and you may also be familiar with um so i'm excited to kind of dive in and kind of just express kind of what i feel on my end and try to make sure that we always leave some links and education for you guys in the you know our dms are open so let us know if you need any resources we're here for you all right. It'll just be exciting to be able to talk about how anxiety is just in everybody's life. Like, it's not technically one specific disorder, I guess, is yeah. the best way to put it. You're right. I agree. Thank you for bringing that up, because we're going to talk about a lot of different disorders, like Mariah said, but maybe even some new ones that you haven't heard, you know, because, you know, as much as we know about mental health, there are so many things out there that it it's a little overwhelming you know and just before this podcast i was talking to them about you know my big case book <clears throat> my dsm which for you know a lot of you who don't know to sum it up a dsm is basically a guide for a diagnosis <laughs> of many many kinds and you know before we get deeper into this i'm gonna go ahead and give you guys a little trigger warning because we're gonna be talking about some things that are gonna be difficult triggering you know, we're going to be talking about our experiences, which may reside with you. So we want to just, you know, give you guys a little warning, you know, go ahead, get you a little snack, sit down, you know, get comfy, get in your comfortable clothes and let's get into it. All right, y'all. So Mariah, what's the big thing for you today? The big thing for me today is OCD. OCD mm. has become a new part of my life just in the past about year, but as I dove more into uh, therapy, I realized that I've been dealing with OCD for oddly about 15 years. Mm-hmm. Madison, um, what is something that you experience or know of as far as um, anxieties or something that you can relate to in that area? No, girl, there's all kinds of things. I mean, honestly, I don't feel like you have to have, like, a specific diagnosis of even, like, OCD. 
there's just times where like me I'm super picky about my car like my car has to be a certain length or it just makes me almost I don't want to say like freak out but I just like have to fix it right then half the time like that kind of thing and honestly like test anxiety gosh in school test anxiety is like a huge thing underrated for me (laughs) huge yes oh my gosh so underrated wow so underrated that's crazy Mm -hmm. i had so much test anxiety It, it, it like i'm a very smart person you know I have a way of memorizing things, but when it comes to sitting in front of that test, it doesn't matter what I study. It is out the window. <laughs> but Dude. oh it, gosh, you don't even know. I don't even know if I told you all this. Whenever like I took my NCLEX, which is the state board test that you have to take to become a nurse, after taking that test, oh my gosh, I literally like even before taking it. I sat in my car for like 15, 20 minutes just like shaking. Just like, I don't even want to take oh, this wow. test. Like, I, I don't want to take it. I don't want to do it. And afterwards, I was sitting there like, oh my gosh, I, I don't even know whether to like cry or just sit here. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's overwhelming. Yes. Mm hmm. That's crazy. It, anxiety, it, 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 it's a force. <laughs> You know, it, it really can take over you if you allow it. And, you know, I, you know, relate in that area, but I also relate to the OCD area. And, you know, OCD is not as simple. Like, I know most people have a general idea of what OCD is. And a lot of it is not necessarily what it is. It's just you think it's just needing things clean and whatnot. But it's so far beyond that. And even with OCD, looking at more severe cases it can be really damaging if not maintained you know i even have times where i notice i'm picking at my hair like when i have high anxiety and things like that i begin to pick at my hair and it begins to go to a point to where it's like i actively know that this is hurting my head but i can't stop and you know that's where the obsessive compulsive disorder comes in you know so there are many different sides of ocd and a lot of people don't think about it that way i mean mental health just in general you have to maintain and you know like i was saying just a second ago anxiety will take over you if you don't cope in positive ways you know so before we get into some disorders mariah what are some ways that you cope with anxiety so for me um things that i do personally is i have to have visualized lists of things so something i used to do was write out like a to-do list but i learned you know just in the past couple of months here that you know making that big to-do list wasn't working for me it became so much that i was like i'm never gonna get all this done overwhelming yes Mm -hmm. so instead i started to create um things that i could realistically do in a day whether it be you know like renewing health insurance over the phone or uh, making a doctor's appointment or something i would prioritize like if I had to make phone calls, I would pick one day, or like you could do it on my lunch break at work. I'd pick one day and I would do two or three phone calls or make two or three appointments or follow up on two or three things. And other things such as, you know, um, 
getting paperwork done in certain areas of life, I would take a day and do the paperwork instead of just jotting all these things down that need to be done. I separated everything into realistic time spans because I was having really unrealistic expectations of myself. Um, so that's something that I had to learn. Um, now, as far as you know, I, like I had diagnosed OCD, and like Devin said, there's a big stigma behind OCD. Like you have to be clean, you have to be this, you have to be that. Now, mind you, my house is always clean. Like, if I have people over and there is, like, the floor is not swept, I feel like that they are just going to go talk about how dirty I am. So I like to have a warning before someone comes over so I can at least tidy up. Um, I have things that I do every single day, no matter what, because I set these realistic expectations for myself. Structure. So, yes. So for now for, like, OCD tics, which is something that I experience, um... OCD tics are things like um, rituals that you'll perform. So some people do night routines where they'll turn off the light switches certain amounts of times. So there's a number behind it. There's a, a, a text or a sensory pattern behind it. I have the sensory pattern tics, whether that be, you know, I will say things and not realize that I've said them, or I'll have to say it and enunciate it a certain way so many times before it sounds correct, or touch my fingers a certain way or touch the steering wheel a certain way I have very sensorized and I don't know how to explain pattern like I have patterns that I have to complete so in those times where that's really overwhelming my therapist challenged me she said she said what would happen if you didn't do that and it stumped me I was like Mm -hmm. always does I was like, I was like, I don't know. I mean, you know, behind OCD, a lot of people forget too that sometimes intrusive thoughts are also a part of the ritual. So again, trigger warning. So you know, in some cases, it'll be like, well, if I don't exactly press my thumb against the remote control in this exact way that I need to feel it, I'm gonna fall off my porch and break my leg. Like just something off the wall to where I would punish myself mentally, which did not make any sense. It's so crazy. Yeah. I'm sorry crazy. to interrupt you there because I, I'm sorry to interrupt because I know we have a flow with where we're going, but I like, I have those moments where like I'm walking along the street. Right. And for some reason, an image will pop in my head where I'm falling in the street and getting ran over by this car. And I know a lot of people also have, the same like visual when they're driving like swerving off the road even though they don't want Mm -hmm. to like you know so continue i I had to say that because it's so relatable you know agreed agreed you know if it when i get in those high anxiety situations where you know i'm my brain's telling me to do certain things I will completely, and it took time, this is not something that is easy to do, but over time, I started to redirect my hands, so I would, you know, make a snack, or I would, you know, do a different task to distract myself from that, and you know, that's still in there, but I would challenge that thought, what would really happen if I didn't do that, you know, so, you know, to branch off, you know, Madison is, is, what's your thoughts on on that side of things honestly I really don't feel like people realize there is so many different levels of even like OCD anxiety and there's Mm -hmm. like little things that you can do 
that if you don't get it under wraps, it can be a problem. Like something as simple as, like for me, I found myself starting to like obsess over a certain day. Like I would get in my car if I went and say like went to the grocery store or just went anywhere at a certain structured time each week like if I got in my car at that time I'd look around and be like oh my gosh I gotta clean this like right now and it was the same time all the time so I had to start like breaking that up and kind of making it towards not the same time or a different day that way I wasn't going to get obsessed with it and Mm -hmm. I'm not someone who's has like super high functioning anxiety or anything that's really diagnosed so it's kind of crazy how certain things like that that everybody does can turn into something to relate yeah exactly absolutely because i mean some people don't realize like little things like that that can end up being a problem Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And like you can end up throwing yourself starts. into huge anxiety issues. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> we all talked at the same time. Love yeah, that. Okay. Not us having, <laughs> you, you know, great minds think alike, right? We just need one to talk. <laughs> but I mean, because Madison was saying, there's so many different levels to this. And there's so many different types of anxiety disorders. I hope this computer does not cut me off because y'all know when i go to a different window it likes to act up and cut off our podcast so fingers crossed but no guys i i searched up a lot of different type of anxiety disorders i do not know all of them specifically i know the names but we have obviously general anxiety disorder it's 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 exactly what it says general anxiety disorder you feel excessive unrealistic you worry and tension with little or no reason you know what i'm saying it's general anxiety you have panic disorder you feel sudden intense fear that brings on a panic attack during a panic attack obviously you might sweat you might have chest pains your heart might be going like a mile a minute i've had times even with a panic attack where my heart was like i i kid you not one of my really good friends, Craig, was with me in the living room at the time. And my heart was like 116 sitting down, going to 120. It mm-hmm. was the scariest thing ever. I thought I was dying. <laughs> I thought, I thought, it, like, he obviously knew what to do. But I really thought I was dying. I was like, wow, this is it. <laughs> this man is about to take me out. But. You know, if it's not Corona, it's going to be your mind. Exactly. <laughs> Pick your poison, apparently. But no, also, you know, I'm going to elaborate on a lot of these, specifically this next one, um, a little bit. But social anxiety. I have that. I struggle with that in, a, in crazy amounts. I can't even explain that yet. But we're going to elaborate on these again in just a second. We have specific phobias. You know, you feel intense fear of a specific object or situation. It could be heights. It could be flying. Uh, Dragging myself. I'm just reading this (laughs) list. And you want to know what? I'm just all up in here, y'all. It's fun. (laughs) We have a phobia. It's fine. We all have our issues. And you want to know what? We're all working to be better, child. But Okay, so we have agoraphobia. You have intense fear of being in a place where it seems hard to escape or get help if an emergency occurs. And I can tell you, even recently, this has probably been something that's come about even more with these shootings and the crazy things that are happening with the world, you know. And 
even especially now, you know, with Corona and people having to stay in their house and not having a choice, like agoraphobia for a lot of people probably was formed in some form or fashion, you know, for different people. It's not one size fit all. We've talked about this a million times. But I can relate to the agoraphobia because anytime I'm out, like if I go out to eat, I cannot sit with my back to the door. It makes me so uncomfortable. I need to be able to see an exit. I've never diagnosed, but that is something that just generally, I have to be able to know where a door is or know how to get out. Yeah, even I remember specifically my therapist showed like when we were diagnosing social anxiety, we were looking at agoraphobia because, you know, with the DSM, it's the diagnosis. I was showing similar signs in both, and it was more agoraphobia. So it was like, hmm, this could be it. Even though it wasn't, it was just some really bad social anxiety child. But for a bit, you know, we was like, oh, agoraphobia is not something to play with. You really, if you leave, you have to know how to get out. And that's if you leave. If. <laughs> anyway. But again, we're going to re- elaborate a bit more, you know, after the list, guys. Uh, separation anxiety. Little kids aren't the only one who feel scared or anxious, to be honest. Anxiety. If you do, you'll feel obviously very anxious, fearful. If anybody you're close with leaves your sight whatsoever, you're going to be like, wait a minute. You know, a lot of people have that with their friends, even. Um, we also have selective. What is this? Is this mutism? Muti- selective mutism? I have no idea. Looked it up. We're learning something today. It says this is a type of social anxiety in which young kids who talk normally with their family don't speak in public, like at school. Wow. Oh, wow. I didn't know there was a name for it. Huh. Did you, Mariah? I didn't know that either. I didn't know that. No, not at all. Madison, did, you didn't either? Heck no. Huh. Selective, is it M-U-T-I-S-M? Mutism? Mutism? Mute. It's mutism because they don't speak, so mute. Yeah. Well, duh. Why didn't I think of that? There we go. The brains (laughs) are working. The brains are working. Mutism. You want to know what? Drag me. (laughs) But let's see. Oh, medication induced anxiety disorder. Is this a is this a podcast about general anxieties or is this a podcast about Devin's anxiety? At this dude, po- I can't even drag <laughs> Devin on the medication one because you ain't gonna try to convince me to take nothing. <laughs> but like, let's think about it though, because you would think, why wouldn't you take it? Because specifically, like, you get scared to take some medications, and in some cases, you know, it's ingrained in your head that something can happen if you take it maybe you're scared of side effects maybe you don't want to overdose like who knows you know i feel like medication induced anxiety disorder is a very underrated thing obviously it's you know the use of obviously general medications or drugs in general whatsoever that can trigger some sort of anxiety disorder and i don't feel like that's even talked about enough whatsoever wait specifically right madison you obviously oh, yeah, it's right? definitely not. It's mm-hmm. so not talked about whatsoever and not even like in a hospital setting with patients like that's not even asked at mm-hmm. all. When someone comes in the hospital, you ask about allergies and like all these other things, but you don't really get to know the person's feelings on medications unless yep. it relates to a narcotic. 
so Madison, do you have patients that will like, you'll get them in and they need this medication for like a really important reason, they will absolutely refuse it? I haven't personally had that happen, but I've had people freak out on me when it comes to narcotics and certain things because they think they're going to get addicted to it once they leave the hospital. Yeah. I mean, I've had I've like, that situation. Yeah, I, mean, I could believe it. I've had people yeah. come out of surgery and clearly need the medication, but they don't want to take it because they're afraid they'll get addicted to it. After That's I crazy. had my oldest daughter, I, I was at the hospital just fine. Like, hadn't taken Tylenol, ibuprofen, or anything. This nurse walks in and hands me a prescription for a Percocet. <laughs> and I was like, I don't need that. So I appreciate easily. it, but I don't need that. And I declined. Like, like I don't want to take anything crazy like that. Like, I'll take a Tylenol or an ibuprofen or, you know, if I have an infection or something, I'll take an antibiotic. But as far as anything on that narcotic side, I'm good. Yeah. Like, they've given me something. Like, I obviously, like, the very first time I had a panic attack, I literally thought something was wrong with me. So... <laughs> I literally went to the hospital. I thought I was having a heart attack. <laughs> I kid you not. And when I went in there, you know, obviously they did the general procedure or whatever. I found out it was a panic attack. So they ended up prescribing me a Xanax. Not prescribing me, but giving me one. And I was like, oh my God. I was so scared because, you know, at the time in college, so many people were just popping it like certs, you know, like nerves. I don't know. Like, you know, it, it was everywhere. It was candy. And I was like, the one thing I would never want to do was drugs ever. And when I, you know, I was taking it, I had so much anxiety. I was like, oh my God. But I think the thing that scared me the most wasn't taking it. It was how relaxed it made me feel. And I was like, okay, we're never going this route again because I can see how you could get addicted to it you know it relieves that pain so much where you you constantly want that feeling you know and that's what people who you know fall into addiction they want they that feeling chase the release. yeah they don't want to feel what they are feeling you know what i'm saying even you know trigger warning again even talking about suicide when people end up committing suicide they don't want to feel that feeling you know what I'm saying? That's why when a lot of people even, they maybe will express out loud, you know, oh, I want to die or something like that, whatever. But, you know, people, they don't want to die. They want to stop hurting, you know? Agreed. Mm-hmm, that's true. It's crazy to me. It's become such a nonchalant thing to be like, oh, I want to unalive myself. And people are just like, ugh, same. But but think about it, though. Like, imagine a world of just keeping that in instead of just getting that out. You know what I'm saying? The people who you're comfortable with. Because let's be honest. Even if a person goes into therapy and the therapist asks, have you had any thoughts of suicide? Even if you have and you knew you still had it under control, you wouldn't say anything. Nope. Well, I mean, it's the same as in the hospital. We have to screen people for stuff like that. Like, I straight up have to ask people when they're admitted to me if they've had thoughts of killing themselves or somebody else. Do you really think they're going to tell me? They don't even know me. 
Exactly. Exactly. That's why a lot of people don't reach out because you're you're worried about the repercussions, even if it's not a thing that you would do in this moment. Like if it's not something like I'm trying to figure out how to word it correctly. Like even if you are going through a lot and you're like, oh my God, I literally just don't want to be alive anymore. Somebody asks you like in a professional setting about it that just heightens anxiety even more and then you're gonna wonder man i couldn't even be honest like because what would have happened yep Yep. i also feel like it's a lot of how you ask that question too true Mm -hmm. if you're super blunt about it and come at somebody full force they're probably not going to tell you yeah like hardly at all and i mean even if i personally try and just say like hey I'm about to ask you something that may be like a little bit uncomfortable. We just have to ask everybody, like, just so you know, there's no judgment on answering it. And still, even being like that, there's some people that's just not going to tell you, which is okay. Yeah, I agree. It just, it it really catches you off guard, (laughs) you know? Exactly. It does. But I mean, you know, to even go back to the disorders that we were talking about earlier because i know we were said we were going to elaborate um obviously this podcast is taking us every which way it's a great conversation and i am obsessed with it right now <laughs> um, right i love us <laughs> go us anyway yeah okay so let's elaborate on some of these disorders that we have talked about and specifically i do want to talk about social anxiety it's also called social phobia it's this is when you feel overwhelming worry and self-consciousness about everyday social situations you obsessively worry about others judging you and being embarrassed or ridiculed and like social anxiety a lot of the times is something that is ingrained in you throughout you know your childhood you know especially when you're bullied in school and things like that I know personally, I have had the experience of being bullied, you know? So, you know, taking a lot of that into the real world, it, you know, I got to really see it manifest in everything because I saw a lot of high school and a lot of people. I'm a person that's a bit more mature than most that might be my age. So, you know what I'm saying? It's just social anxiety is something that is it's overwhelming to be quite honest you know no matter where you go no matter what social situation even if you know everybody in this place go it's a rap it's rap it's rap anxiety is taking you by the throat that is it for you in any social situation. And so, you know, for me, especially somebody who wants to put themselves on a podcast like this, wants to, you know, put out a YouTube video like I did, who wants to put out an album, who wants to do, you know, acting and performing and things like that. That is a general challenge that I have to, for one, take day by day and actively work through to manage and maintain. Because the whole idea of, oh my God, I'm going to be cured. It's really, for me, it's not realistic. I have to manage and maintain and I'm going to go from there. 
you know so that's where i'm at with that just to elaborate a bit on social anxiety i don't know if you all personally experience that or not do you mariah um my social anxiety works literally backwards um as we all know i cannot shut the hell up for five freaking seconds for anything um instead of me being like i'm not afraid to make a phone call i'm not afraid to you know walk into a store or ask somebody for something or speak to someone like that does not that is that is not there for me what like even public speaking like i am awesome at public speaking like that does not phase me or you canceling out everything in social anxiety so what do you have to wait for it <laughs> wait for it my social anxiety kicks in where i don't do well catching those social cues as to when something is uncomfortable or inappropriate or uh, uh, the conversation's over you see what i'm saying uh, so yeah i yeah i tend to overshare or overextend the conversation for the need to be social versus being afraid to be social i'm afraid to not be social does that gotcha yeah so do you, you feel like someone's gonna judge you for not being social or do, will you feel embarrassed that, you know for not being social I don't want to be excluded. So for me, it's almost like forcing my way into a conversation or um, if there's a group doing something, like, hey, I want to do that. So I'll bring it up in hopes to be invited or something like that. And that's something I did, you know, even in college. And now as an adult, I am learning that I don't have to be liked by everybody. I don't have to be invited to everything because if I'm not, that thing just wasn't meant for me right now. But still, deep down, I'm like, if I could have maybe just tweaked the conversation or said something else or done this or done that, then maybe I would be doing that event right now or I would be having that conversation right now. I crave to be included. I crave to be in the loop. So I go to high lakes at times to be included so i would do things or say things that may be out of pocket for myself and then when that's not really my true personality those you know patterns show up at that event or in that conversation because now i have no freaking clue what anybody's talking about and it and it, and it shows it shows what about you madison honestly mine's like the total opposite like, I would almost rather not talk and, like, stay away from people or, like, a crowd yep. of people <laughs> because... <laughs> Twins. Yeah, that's so me. Pisces things. Mm-hmm. Well, I would rather not have to worry about saying something that just comes off really weird and then all of a sudden, like, I'm the awkward one of the group. And like just me all the time. Like, totally in the left field like not just I guess I'm more worried about making myself not fit in than really like talking to people like I don't mind talking to people I can talk all the time oh my god Madison but (laughs) what (laughs) I'm coming through and giving you a hug right now and you just can't feel it virtual love (laughs) virtual hugs we love that. I love that you're sharing. I love that we're just being open about our experiences. Like this is helping so many people.
people and that's the beauty of it all you know and i want to move on a bit to um i want to talk about the agoraphobia in a way because i know mariah related to to that in the you know a bit and for me personally i relate it because you know when my therapist thought i was you know showing signs of it i didn't want to leave you know i didn't want to leave my apartment that was on campus it was overwhelming you know specifically after certain situations to have to see specific people who have caused havoc in my life and i didn't want that and i didn't want the people who sided with those people to even see me or talk to me i just wanted to go on about my life and not see anybody but i couldn't so i didn't go anywhere i literally stayed in it was so much overwhelming anxiety if you know you know and if you're listening and you know and you think you know shoes might fit but i'm not sure depends on the size but you know you know oh if you have on thick socks the shoe might fit but you know reaching is not cute um mariah how did you relate to agoraphobia um for me it, it it goes past you know not being able to leave or not being able to do things like that i need to know an exit plan so like I was talking about earlier, like, you know, going into a restaurant or something, you know, that's something that I grew up watching my dad do, you know, and it made me think as I became an adult, I was like, damn, did my dad, like, have anxiety like that, you know? So, I mean, anytime we'd go to a restaurant and I would go to get into a booth, he'd be like, no, you don't put your back to a door. And I was conditioned to not have my back to a door. So anytime I go out to eat or anytime I go to like a movie theater or anything, the movie theater is actually really difficult for me. Movie theater is really difficult for me because that is a winding way out and I get lost in there. The mall is super overwhelming for me. Mall, that's why you always go with people, isn't it? That's why, yeah. That's why I, all, I don't like to go by myself. That's oh why my God. Stores. Yeah. I go to the same stores, same groceries, same retail places because I have a pattern how I go to the store I get what I need to get and then I go out the same way I came in that like when COVID hit and there was one entrance one exit that fucked me up I did not like that I did not like that at all um it it even branches into you know you were talking about being afraid of flying or being you know afraid of things like that I don't like to be out on open water because I know <laughs> no. I can't get away Absolutely if I not. needed to. Like no. that Mm-mm. any way of not being able to get out of where I am, I don't like it. And even even this too, if I don't drive to an event and I can't leave when I'm ready to leave. That wow. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, yes. girl, that is me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, y'all. Oh, my God. We had some technical difficulties. Shocker. That is our luck. We were beginning to wrap this up anyway. So go ahead and finish what you were saying as far as your experience with agoraphobia, Madison. Well, I mean, honestly, Mariah said it best when she said driving to events just so that if I felt like I wanted to leave, I could leave. I never realized that was like agoraphobia. But I so I so do that, and I'm not really sure if this pertains to agoraphobia. But I hate crowds. I cannot stand crowds because it feels so hard to get away 
from all those people or just out of the situation, even if it's over to just a corner. That's a good question. I love that. That's actually a good question because that is so me. I would say it's both signs of maybe agoraphobia and social anxiety. Because for sure, you know, the crowd really being, you know, the social anxiety and, you know, the needing the exit out, you know, is really the agoraphobia. So, you know, sometimes things can overlap as well. You know, mental health is not linear. We know that, right? (laughs) Not a one-size-fits-all. No, not at all. Mm -hmm. Ciao. It is what it is. We are all different. We are all working to become a better version of ourselves. And, you know, anxiety is one of the roadblocks that we have to face along the way. And I'm so glad that we were able to share this podcast with you all and, you know, help you with your experiences or give you experiences to relate to. And, you know, I think it's just beautiful. So we're going to go ahead and say goodnight to the girls. So say goodnight, guys. Good night, y'all. Thanks so much for having us. Again, the DMs are open. Please reach out if you need resources, coping skills, or even just somebody to laugh with, cry with, talk with. All of us are here except Madison. And just let us know <laughs> if there's anything we can do to help you. <laughs> yeah. With that being said, you may follow everybody on here on social media except Madison. You may not follow her because <laughs> you have to have, you know, you, you, you got to be top tier. To be in Madison School, okay? Yeah, you, no, you, you have people, to. They're just excluding me. <laughs> Don't let them fool you. No. <laughs> look at me, I'm really not look, that terrible of a person. <laughs> she's not. She just has a very tight circle, you know, as she should. I just hate and that's a fact. Media. <laughs> no, no, but no she really does. Hashtag no new friends. No, no new friend. No, but I welcome new friends. Anyway, guys, we love you. We appreciate you. Make sure you go ahead and follow us on media at mainly Mariah store on twitter and instagram it's iconic she has both of those make sure you go ahead and follow me on twitter and instagram as well at that so dev we love you we appreciate you go follow at five min m-i-n self-care on twitter for the absolute most overwhelming amount of self-care <laughs> because we need it you know it, it, it's funny but like we need it we'll ignore some we'll see some we'll take it in you know it's just the fact that it's It's there yeah it's given an impression on us you know what i'm saying you know social media especially twitter it's very impressionable and so the fact that you have a social media account that's really spreading self-care you know take care of yourself i think that's really important so go ahead and do that guys we appreciate you up i struggled to get that out but (laughs) we love you guys thank you so much and we're gonna peace out of here until next time. Peace. 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 Oh. I'm not saying it at the same time. Okay, we bounce <laughs> <Bye. laughs>